Go ahead and turn with us this evening, please, to uh, Matthew, the 15th chapter. And we want to continue on. You ready for me to preach at you a little bit? Yeah. All right. I told Phyllis I had too many notes this afternoon. It started out with 20 pages, and I had to work it down to three here, so. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I haven't... Uh, when I got into ministry, I should say it like that, I hadn't seen some of my relatives for a while. I've been in the ministry for about 10 years. And uh, I came back in, and the last time they saw me, I wasn't in the ministry. And uh, Of course, I've been in the ministry a lot longer than that now. I'm talking about back then, about 10 years ago. And uh, they said, so you're a preacher now? And I said, yeah. They said, you mean you don't have a job? <laughs> you, you don't work? <laughs> And I know that ministry, the way some people do it, you know, is uh, play golf all day and uh, goof off and get a little something out of the Reader's Digest and talk about it for 10 minutes. And there's not too much work to that. But ministry, if you do it right, it is work. I assure you, there's been many a day I looked out the window and thought, boy, it'd be a lot easier digging a ditch than doing this. I mean, this is <laughs> looking for answers, you know, and believing God and pressing. But uh, it's my job as leader of the church here to lead and to feed. Yes. Amen. And that's what we are setting out to do. We begin, was it four uh, Fridays ago now, I guess, on a series entitled Truth or tradition. And uh, we've been talking about this every Friday evening, and I'm going to continue with that tonight. And I believe it is foundational because I've also prayed, you know, Lord, what's supposed to be the foundation of the church? And of course, we know Jesus, but exactly how is it to be built upon Jesus? And then uh, what are we to emphasize? How are we to operate? And one of the first things that He brought me to is this passage about truth versus traditions of men. And I know that all of us would like to think, well, I, my life is based on truth. But the truth is, so many times, a lot of it's tradition. And so we've been, uh, not all tradition is bad, I don't mean that, but I'm talking about tradition that is contrary to the Word. And there's a whole lot of that. And so we begin with a phrase that we keep reusing, and it's just this question. It's kind of like the woman that used to be on the hamburger commercial, you know, and she'd drive through and pull up the bun and look and say, where's the beef? <laughs> but what we want to know, if anybody's got anything that they say they believe or say we ought to believe or do, we want to know, where's the scripture? Right? I don't care if grandma believed it and great grandpa and you're all the preachers you knew believed it. Where's the scripture? Where is it at? In the word. Because if it's not there, should you build your life on it? No, no you should not. And, you know, I don't think that any of us ought to think we have just arrived and are completely now tradition free and solely operating on the truth, the word. That's, you know. Nice, it's wishful thinking. We're all growing and developing. You know, I think it'd be interesting if preachers and everybody that wrote a, a religious book or tape or anything that had a spiritual nutrition level label on it. <laughs> you know, like foods and cans do. Because a lot of them would say, uh, you know, 20% tradition. 
15% unbelief. 10% filler. Just. I'm going to say some stuff. It's just filler. It's just a bunch of. Like a big wad of cotton candy. I mean it might look pretty and sound fluffy. But when you try to live it. On Tuesday afternoon. It just don't go. Right? And I don't care how flowery it sounds. And how good it looks hanging on the wall. If it doesn't work in life. If it doesn't produce results, it's not the word. And why bother with it? I like things that work, don't you? And the word does work when you work it, when you do it. So Matthew 15, are you there? Matthew, the 15th chapter, beginning with verse 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? You know, instead of just being defensive, because there's a lot of people who ask you, Well, you know, why do y'all pray for the sick to be healed? Well, a good response is, Why don't y'all? Huh? Why do y'all speak in tongues? It's in the Bible. Right? Why do y'all believe in miracles and talk about miracles? Well, dear me, from Genesis to Revelation, there they are. Had a fellow challenge me one time. I was having a healing rally, and he wrote in and said, Prove to me that people are getting healed. I said, Prove to me that none of them did. You know, uh, y'all may have heard of Ray McCauley from South Africa. has a huge work there. But years ago when he was first getting started, he had an outdoor meeting for healing. And he advertised in the radio and TV and paper, come, God still heals today. He will heal you of anything. Well, some of the reporters wanted to talk to him and they weren't believing. And so they wanted to make him look bad and they got him on camera. And you know how they can do. They kind of set him up with a couple of nice questions and they broadsided him with another one. And they said, well, they said, uh, you said that God still heals today. He said, that's right. You said God heal, can heal and will heal, wants to heal anything, everything. He said, that's right. He said, they said, what about AIDS? Because there's a lot of AIDS there. You say God will heal AIDS? He said, that's right. God heals AIDS. And we know of cases ourselves. You want a good testimony real quick? Just in January, we were in Miami, Florida on a meeting for two weeks. And uh, after the service one night, a couple came with their little, I think he was like a year and a half old child. And bless his heart, he looked rough. I mean, they had his head, one half of his head was shaved and had scars where they had done operations and stuff. And come to find out, he had, they said he had cancer of the brain. And they had operated a couple of times and said now it was inoperable and it was just, you know, they just expected him to die. But thank God his parents had driven from like four states away. And uh, had come, and you could tell, instead of just sitting there crying and feeling terrible, they had faith. I could tell in talking to them. They were just waiting for me to pray. They expected something to happen. Amen. 
And so I talked to them and I told them about some other cases of healing we had seen. And I reminded them of how Jesus cursed the fig tree and how it dried up from the roots. Remember that? And so uh, I came and laid hands. Well, I can't skip that one. Let me tell you the story I told them. You want another testimony? You got time for two? Don't forget where I was at. About 10 years before that, about 15 actually, I had prayed for a man that had a huge, they said inoperable, yeah, cancerous tumor in his brain. And he had gone to several hospitals and nobody would operate on it because they said that this thing was so into his brain that it would just destroy him to try to take it out so that nobody would do it. Well, he had gone over to what was then the city of faith at ORU. And one of those doctors, a believing doctor, had said, yeah, I'll do it. But he came to us first, and we ministered to him. And I laid hands on him and cursed that tumor and commanded it to die. And uh, he decided he should have the surgery anyway. So he went, and this is what the surgeons now said, told us later. that The surgeon worked on him for like two hours and just could not... Get, he, he said the thing was like had tentacles that was down into his brain. Now, isn't that devilish? Yes. Now, how many understand that is not God? God didn't put some devilish octopus-like thing into him to choke the life out of him. That's not God. He said uh, that he labored and labored and labored and was tired. And finally, he stepped aside like they do, I guess, sometimes in the OR and was taking a breath and and thinking and looking, and he came back, and he said that thing looked like it was loose. So he just reached over and pulled it, and it fell out. <laughs> fell out of the man's head right there on the table, and he said he picked it up, and the ends of it were dead and dry. He just sewed the man back up, and he was over at our service testifying three days later. Glory. Well, I told this couple that testimony. And man, their eyes lit up and they said, we believe it. And I said, I'm going to lay hands on him, on their little child. And I'm going to curse this thing and command it to die. And uh, we're going to expect and believe that that's exactly what happens. They said, do it, do it. So I laid hands on him. We did it. They praised God. Well, about two weeks later, wasn't it? The pastors of that church, we were doing something. They called from their car. And they were just ecstatic. They were bouncing off the wall. You couldn't hardly get them to understand what they were saying. I said, what, what? They said, that little boy you played for. I said, yeah, yeah. They said, he went back to the doctor. They've run every test. They can't find any cancer in his head. Praise God. Well, the Lord did that. How many believe God still heals today? He still works miracles today. And I didn't intend to say all that, but I did. And how many believe that that doesn't just work just for me? How many believe you can take the name of Jesus, amen, and come against something that ought not be in your body or your child's body? And it's simple. Expect it to happen. And the Lord is gracious and good and kind and faithful and still heals today. Won't you say it out loud? God still heals today. Amen. I believe it. I believe it. Praise God. Where was I at now before that? 
Yeah, Ray McCauley, thank you. They were interviewing him and they said, you know, you said God had healed AIDS. He said, that's right. They said, well, what if you pray for somebody with AIDS and they don't get healed? He said, they're no worse. <laughs> he said, the cemetery is full of people. The doctors tried to help, Amen. but they still keep trying to help people. Is that right? So people don't understand. I mean, you know, what if you preach to somebody to get saved and they didn't receive Jesus? Does that mean you quit preaching Jesus? No, it's still true. I said it's still true. And we're out to help people. Amen. Look at your scripture again here in Matthew 15. In verse 6, he said, the latter part of it, he said, Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So we talked about your foundation, whether it's truth or tradition. Where's the scripture? Have that in your mentality and everything that you deal with. We talked about how that God is more interested with our insides than he is our outsides. He sees the heart. Amen. And we talked about in our last session... Though we said, the Lord actually, I felt like, asked me this question. Are Christians, are my people, are they upset about what upset me? Or is it a lot of other things that doesn't matter as much to me? And we went into the 23rd chapter of Matthew and saw how many times Jesus was very animated about hypocrisy. I mean, he must have said it eight or nine times in that one chapter. Woe unto you. Hypocrites, And if you read it and listen to his probable tone, I mean, this is something that really irritates God. And I'm not just saying that. I have several other scriptures to show you tonight that proves it without any question. Jesus spent time with sinners, didn't he? He was criticized for it. He was called a glutton and a wine-bibber, and a friend of sinners. (laughs) Somebody say, thank God he's a friend of sinners. I mean, because there was a time when you needed a friend and you were a sinner, right? But it's interesting to me, as I was studying again today, I thought, it seems to me Jesus preferred the company of rank sinners to that of religious hypocrites. It seems that way. And then when you think about it, He said, I wish you were cold or hot, but not lukewarm. Right? Is that what he said? Reckon he meant that? Well, surely warm would be better than cold. Huh? Not according to him. One thing that you need to know about the Lord, if you haven't decided it already, he wants your whole heart. If you're going to do it, do it. Don't play with it. Amen. Give it your all. Go. And I've seen this. I feel the same way. Give me any time a sinner who knows they're a sinner and says so. Then some hypocritical, game-playing, supposedly hyper-spiritual individual that's all quoting scriptures and talking a bunch of stuff and then living completely opposite. Hmm? I'd much rather have somebody say, yeah, I got drunk last night. I know it ain't right. 
But I did. You can work with that. I said, you can work with that. But somebody that tells you they're not living right, but then they try to act like they are. Well, you can't even deal with the problem. You can't even get to it because they're too busy playing games, trying to keep up a front. Now, I want you to go with me, please, to the book of Proverbs, the sixth chapter. Why don't you go to uh, 1 Corinthians 5 first? How about that? Then we'll go. I think you'll get more out of Proverbs if we do it that way. Can I change if I want to? Good. We're going to 1 Corinthians 5, then we're going to Proverbs 6. Do you believe the Lord despises hypocrisy? He does. A lot more, you know, some people are so interested that they think somebody's got a habit that they shouldn't have. Or somebody's, you know, wearing their hair different or their clothes different or they don't adhere to our exact baptismal formula or the list goes on and on and on. But is the Lord more interested in that or in somebody's heart that they're sincere, that they really love him, that they really want to serve him, they really believe in him? That's the main thing. In 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, in verse 8, verse 8, 1 Corinthians 5, he said, Let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of what? Sincerity and truth. To keep that in mind as we keep reading, he said, I wrote to you in an epistle or a letter not to company with fornicators. What's a fornicator? Anybody know? That's somebody having sexual relations with somebody they're not married to. A lot of different forms of that. Is that okay? Sometimes people say, young people and older people say, well, yeah, but we're going to be married. Well, that's exactly the same as not being married. <laughs> okay. Do you understand? I mean, how many people thought they were going to be married in high school or college what, and never were and never will be? No. Well, people say, well, we're married in the eyes of the Lord. Are you? Where'd you get that? <laughs> yeah, where's the scripture? That's a, you guys are sharp. <laughs> no, listen, if somebody is not willing to stand up before men and before the Lord, and make their commitments of covenant, hmm, it's questionable that it is there. Now, a lot of people made a lot of mistakes in their life from the time they were teenagers up to their present time. We're not talking about the past. We're talking about what you're going to do now. What are we going to do now? Right? Do what the Lord leads you to do. And most of all, you want to be thinking in your mind, I want to honor Him. Amen? That's a whole other subject. But he said fornicators. What did he say? Don't company with them. Right? But now he qualifies it. Here's what I want you to get. Did Jesus have meals with prostitutes? Yeah. And liars and thieves. and Yeah, he did. Well, then that would sound almost contrary to this verse. But keep reading. 
He said, yet, verse 10, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. See, there are some people that say, well, I'm holy and I can't be fellowshipping with all this sin around here. And you got people that wind up leaving and going off by their self to try to serve God. God never intended that. I know people do it, but he never intended that. You might draw apart for yourself for a while, but he wants you influencing somebody. Amen. Amen. He said, you'd have to leave the world. If you're going to try to get away from everybody that's sinning and not living right. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. Keep reading. But I, verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company if any man that is what? Called a brother. See, he, this is a difference. Be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one. No, not to eat. The Lord deals with everybody according to the light that they have. And the problem is, if somebody knows better, and they're calling themselves a Christian, and they know better, but they're trying to hide things, and they're being hypocritical, he said, don't even meet with folk like that. How many believe we ought to do all the Bible? Yes. Hmm? And that's not trying to be mean. People need to realize that they're not okay. And one of the big things is to realize that it's not okay to play games. And be hypocritical. The problem with hypocrisy boils down to this. Lying. I'm going to say something to you and we're going to get to some very rubber hits the road type things. God hates lying. I didn't say he dislikes it. I said he hates it. And it is one of the worst things that you could get involved in because it puts you in a working situation with the devil, with the enemy. And if you don't hate lies, you need to make an adjustment tonight. Hmm? Got quiet in here. Go to Proverbs. Just hold on. We'll be okay. We'll, we'll finish up good. Proverbs the sixth chapter. Are you there? Proverbs chapter six, verse sixteen. We're talking about where's the scripture? Verse sixteen. These six things does the Lord what? Hate. What does the Lord hate? Seven are an abomination. Oh, that's a strong word to him. A what? Proud look. A what? I mean, number two on the list. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devised wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A what? A false witness. I mean, this is virtually mentioned twice here. False witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among the brethren. Does God hate that folks stir up trouble? Yeah. It doesn't mean that he just hates you, but he hates that. Hmm? We need to get the difference. God loves sinners. 
He hates sin. We need to love the poor and hate poverty. Hmm? Love the sick, but hate sickness. Right? Love the truth and hate lies. Can you say amen? amen. Say it out loud. I hate, I hate lies. lies. I love, I love the, truth. the truth. Now I know these are extremely strong words. I know that. But I'm not just making this up. I'm reading scripture. Is that right? right. Now skip over to the 12th chapter of Proverbs. Is this okay tonight? Yes. Truth or tradition? Or you could say it like this. Truth or lies? If something's contrary to the word, the word's always right. So if it's in disagreement with the word, what does it have to be? It has to be a lie. Hmm? Proverbs, the 12th chapter, and the 19th verse. It says, The lip of truth shall what? It shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. How many of those lies can't last? They can't. Did you know the scripture says there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed? Do you understand that nobody ever gets away with anything? People say, well, I know some people that didn't. No, you don't. Mm-mm, it ain't over. <laughs> Did you hear me? Does that mean I'm going to be punished for every mistake I've made? If you have received Jesus... If you have repented, no. He took your punishment. Amen. 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 He paid the price. But no, if you don't repent, some things come out down here and now. Others come out then and later. But it all comes out. And so much stuff that people tell lies about, it's going to come out down here. Because it's inconsistent. You tell a lie... And you're going to have to tell two more to keep it going. Hmm? And next week you'll have to tell another three to prop those three up. And because it's not true, it's inconsistent. So there'll be holes in it. And eventually people will begin to see that it's a hole in this and a hole in that. And you'll have to tell another two to prop that up. And it is absolutely one of the worst things that you could do. And I'm just going to stay on this for a while if that's okay. Because we live in a society that doesn't think it's wrong to lie. You understand that? The people will tell you. Well, you know, sometimes it's better to lie. So you don't hurt people. Is that true? Huh? Is it better sometimes to tell people a lie? So you don't hurt them? Well, you know, sometimes a little white lie. Where's the scripture? Right? Can you picture Jesus telling a little white lie? Or any other kind of lie? Can you? I'm telling you, friend, you're talking about something that is so totally foreign to the nature of God, it doesn't get any further removed. I'm going to make a statement, then I'll make it again as we go. We ought to love the truth above anybody and anything, period. 
Now that's a big statement. I know it is. You won't often hear me make such all-inclusive statements, but I make it again boldly. We ought to love the truth more than anybody or anything. You might say, well, I thought we ought to love Jesus more than... That's what I just said. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Well, I thought we ought to love the Word. That's what I just said. He said, thy Word is truth. I thought we ought to love the Spirit and His things. He said, I am the Spirit of truth. 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 Do you love the truth? Say it out loud, I love the truth. I hate lies. Never is there under any circumstances an excuse for lying. Never. Never. I've had people look at me and cry and say, well, I just don't think they can handle the truth. Well, either tell them nothing or tell them the truth. Hmm? Say, I don't want to talk about it or tell them the truth. But don't lie. God hates lying. It's an abomination to him. Keep reading. In verse 20, he said, Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace there is joy. 22, lying lips are what? Could you use a much stronger word? Lying lips are abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are what? Are his delight. Man, that's about as far at the opposite end of the poles, isn't it? God hates, abhors, lying, but in those that love and embrace the truth, he delights in them. This is a big subject, I know it is. But let the Lord speak to your heart tonight. There are people whose relationships are so messed up. They don't realize it. But they don't have the level of fellowship they're supposed to have. They haven't been close for 20 years. And it's because of lies. So many times, even though you don't know the lies, you know something's not right. There's something there. It's like a wall between you and them. It's deception. It's falseness. And the problem is, when you yield to lies, you open the door and you let the father of lies into your life. Now, don't you misunderstand me? There's probably not, I'd probably say it bolder than that, not a person in this room that has never told a lie. It starts early. You hear the cookie jar rattle. You walk around to the kitchen and the cookie jar lid is sideways. There's crumbs on the counter. You look at little Jimmy and he's got chocolate on his face and crumbs on the floor. And you say, Jimmy, have you been in the cookie jar? Mm-mm. And the problem is people do what you just did. They laugh. Hmm? And that is the first huge mistake. Yes, that's right. Oh, you'll be tempted to laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Looking at it, you'll be tempted to. But friend, realize this is serious. 
They must learn as soon as possible that there's hardly a worse thing you could do. You might think it's funny now, but you won't think it's funny when they lie to you about stealing money out of your purse and who they were with on Friday night. Hmm? You have to go to get them out of jail and they tell you three more lies. It starts early. It needs to be dealt with strongly. Early. I'm so glad, you know, my parents, they'd be the first to admit they didn't do everything right. Weren't even fully trying to serve God during a large portion of my life. But I tell you, one thing they did do is they taught me that you did not lie. Totally unacceptable. You might do a lot of things, but you did not lie. I remember when I was 15 years old and I told my daddy a lie. He knew it when I told it to him. He had always treated me with such respect, even as a boy, treated me like a friend. I could see his eyes. I could see the hurt in his eyes. And he didn't speak to me for three days. And I'm glad he didn't. If your word's no good, you're no good. God and his word are one. How many know that? What about you? You and your word are one. But is it true we live in a generation that lies as much and more as they tell the truth? People can come up with 17 pages of contract and document to sign, and you know it doesn't mean anything if the other guy's got more money and lawyers. When used to, you could grab a man's hand and look him in the eye, and if he gave you his word, he would liquidate everything he had to keep from breaking his word. Has God changed? Because people have changed. No. Now friend, this is not just the holy and the right and the Christian thing to do. This is absolutely essential to you being a person of faith. And to you getting results in your prayer life. Does anybody know Mark 11? Why don't you turn there real quickly. Mark 11, there's verse 23 there. Anybody read that verse? I want you to notice something here. Mark 11, 23. He's talking about faith. Faith in God. How it operates. Let's read it. Verse 23, he said, Verily I say to you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which God says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Right? Huh? Right? Wrong. Let me read that again. Are y'all paying attention? Are y'all awake? Let me read it again. Whoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which God says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever God says. Huh? It's not what it says. What does it say? It says, if you believe what you say, you'll have what you say. But what if you're a liar? And what if you know in your own heart that half the time you're not telling the truth? 
Can you have, do you understand in the faith walk, yes, you must have faith in God's words, but you must also have faith in your words. That's why every time that you tell something that's not true, it undermines your confidence in your own words. It hurts your ability to pray. It hurts your ability to make a faith confession. And that's why millions have no confidence in their prayer life. You have to be more selective and careful with your words. Your words have to carry weight in your own heart. Friend, it's not worth what you sacrifice to tell a lie. It costs you and it costs you tomorrow and the next day and it just keeps working on your insides. Go with me please to first, let's see, no it's second actually, I believe it is. Second Thessalonians, that's right. Second Thessalonians. I'll try not to keep you too long tonight, but do you have a couple of more minutes? I know this is not necessarily a message that makes you want to jump up and run the aisle, but some things you might not shout when you hear them, but if you do them, you'll shout a lot later. Amen. I tell you, on your way there, you have to go right by Second Timothy to get there. Or actually, oh, excuse me, you... It's the other way around. Uh, but go ahead and pass Second Thessalonians and go to Second Timothy 4 and then we'll back up. Second Timothy 4 and verse 2. He said, preach the word. Be instant. Another translation said, be on standby. Be ready. In season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now it's not saying the teachers have itching ears. They have itching ears and they want somebody to scratch them. What does that mean? It means, in fact I wrote this down in my margin. Teacher, teacher, scratch my ear, tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> I have some funny notes in my Bible. <laughs> You'll remember that though. Is that what you want out of a church? Huh? Tell me what I want to hear. No, what what do you want to hear? What should you want to hear? I want to hear the truth. Hmm? Do you know though that people leave churches all the time? Because they didn't like what was said. Whether it was truth or not. They just don't want to hear that. They don't want it that way. There's been people that you can tell them scriptures. And they say, well, I just don't believe it like that. (laughs) Well, what can you do? He said, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And, get this now, they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And shall be turned unto fables. Well, when you turn away from the truth, what else is left? There's nothing left but lies. Lord, help me get this out. This is important Don't think that you've never done this. Most everybody has done this in some way or another. 
When you seek God and you say, Lord, show me what I need. Tell me what I need. He will do that. But it may not be what you wanted to hear. Right? And if you don't want to hear it, you don't want to look at it. You know, the woman that had the daughter that was grievously vexed with the devil, the Syrophoenician woman, what is Matthew 15 or so? She came clamoring to Jesus. He ignored her. She kept pressing in. Finally, he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. Is Jesus just trying to be mean to her? I mean, basically he called him a dog. No, if you, I don't recommend you do it, but I looked up and studied some of the Syrophoenicians lifestyle, and I'm telling you, they did stuff I never even thought of. Wicked. Ungodly. I mean, they lived like dogs. Jesus wasn't just throwing a name. That's how they lived. Besides that, think about it. How does your daughter get a devil? Hmm? What's going on at your house? It's true. And what did she say? Anybody remember that? When he said it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What did she say? Anybody remember? Truth. Did you get that? Truth, Lord. She didn't argue with him. What's she saying? Basically, she's saying, Lord, you're right. We saw our Phoenicians live like dogs. You're right. What can I say? You're right. But even the puppies under the table get crumbs, don't they? I believe a big smile came across his face. He said, yeah, they do. (laughs) For this saying, go your way, your daughter's delivered. But what if she had gotten upset and stood up and said, dogs, dogs? Who are you calling a dog, preacher? Let me tell you about some of the Jews I know and how they live. Well, I want you to know something. We saw our Phoenicians just as good as you Jews, bless God, any time of the day. What if she had had her say and left without? Hmm? What did she say? Tell me again. What did she say? Truth, Lord. Oh, friend. In our own lives, the thing that would probably shake you or aggravate you or irritate you, maybe even upset you the most about yourself. If you could hear it, if you would receive it, if you would believe you could make the change, would be the same thing that would cause you to grow the quickest and develop the most in the shortest period of time. If you could receive it. If you'd hear it. Many a time. People get in the floor and go, what's wrong? What's wrong with, uh, you know, why do they treat me like this? And why is this going on? If you'd get quiet and listen, he'd say, you're a baby. I've told you this. I told you this 10 years ago and you've ignored me. And you wouldn't hear it. If you'd grow up and start walking in love, if you'd cast your care over on me and believe you received and quit whining and start giving thanks... But a lot of times people don't want to hear that. They want somebody to pat them on the back and go, yeah, it's sad. Honey, you're in a bad way. I know it. Yeah, but when y'all get through crying, what's changed? Right? Everybody say, truth, Lord. Lord. I said, we should love the truth more than we love anybody or anything. That includes yourself. Hmm? 
And if the truth shows that I'm wrong, then what? So be it. But I want to know the truth. Can you say amen? amen. Boy, I'm glad we're having so much fun tonight. Go back to a, just a page over to 2 Timothy 4. You know, sometimes we can eat some ice cream, cookies. Sometimes we need turnip greens, cornbread, <laughs> broccoli. What's those things I don't care too much for? No, Brussels sprouts, yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to not eat any broccoli or any cauliflower, but I start eating them on purpose and saying, if it's good for me, I like it. That's right. And you know, I've actually begun to like some of these things. Took a few years, but. <laughs> Second Timothy 2, are you there? Verse 23. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Now get this. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Friend, this is a great passage like all of them. But here are some real answers as to how to get out of trouble, how to get out of bondage, how to get out of snares and traps. And you do this, you wouldn't have to have anybody pray for you or lay hands on you or turn in any request. Did you get this? You can recover themselves. Recover yourself. And this really is how you should pray for a lot of loved ones. Because there are a lot of people, they're in trouble, not because they have no knowledge. It's because they have received knowledge, but have rejected it. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't want it to be that way. So they have pushed it away. Well, now, when the Lord gives you truth and you push it away, what else is there? You say, I don't want to believe that. I don't want it to be that way. I don't want it like that. I don't want that. I'm not, I won't have it that way. I don't accept it that way. What else is there for you to believe? The devil will be right there to give you deception, to give you a lie. But the problem is, if the truth will make you free, what will lies do to you? They blind you and they bind you. So then you're in a snare. You're in bondage. You're bumping along year after year, not getting results in your life. Why? Well, God gave you the truth, but you don't want to hear that. So you believe something else instead, and it doesn't work because it's not the truth. Can you get out? I said, can you get out? What are you going to have to do, though? And this is how you can pray for people. Call their name. Say, Lord, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. Pray for my cousin. I pray for my mom, my dad, my child. I pray for them and I'm asking you, Lord, to give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the trap and snare of the enemy. Say it again. I love the truth. I hate lies. I love the truth. 
love the truth. Now go back to this place that you were turning to originally. Remember that second Thessalonians and the second chapter. Second Thessalonians 2 and let's see 9 I believe it is. He's talking about the enemy, the devil. How many knows there is a devil? Yeah. And what did Jesus say in John 8? said, he is a liar and he is the father of lies. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. One translation said, he's talking his own language. Read here in verse 9, talks about Satan, whose power and signs are lying wonders. Verse 10, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. And why are they perishing? Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Now, you know, there are people on the planet who have never heard of Jesus. And we need to do what we can do to either go ourselves or help somebody else go. Amen. To send and send and make books and TV and radio and every other outreach we can to get the message out. But do you understand that there are also, especially here in this country and in Europe and in many, many other developed countries, there are millions that have heard hmm? and that God dealt with. But how many understand? I don't care if God deals with you and you know that you know that you know that he's real and that you're in your sin and you need to come give your life to him. Do you have to come to him and get saved? You can get up and walk out. Can't you? God can deal with you that he wants you to serve him in some capacity. You don't have to do it. One thing I'm seeing very clearly, people don't have to obey God. You should. But in that case, it's people who have rejected and pushed the truth away. They didn't receive the love of the truth. I know in my own, uh, Phyllis, in my life, I was looking back over some people that I got started with in the Christian things. And bless their hearts, after 20 plus years, it doesn't seem like they. some of them have made a lot of progress in the things of God. And yet God has so totally changed our life. I mean, he's done beyond my wildest imaginations for us already. And I thought, well, what's the difference? They heard the same thing we heard. I first began to get a hold of some tapes and some good books on these things. And the Lord reminded me of the difference in our response. I'd hear some of these tapes. I'd get so excited. I thought, glory to God, I never heard anything like that. Redeemed from the curse of the law. I don't have to be sick. I don't have to be broke all my life. God wants to bless me. Never heard anything like that. I was so excited. I'd come home every day after work and get my little tape player, my little cassette player that's about that big. And I'd put it in and I'd listen to tapes half the night and read books and want some more. And some of my friends, I took some of these tapes to them and I said, man, you got to hear this. You've got to hear this. And I'd give it to them. I'd see them the next day and i go, yeah, yeah, what about it? They said, well, it's okay. I thought, no, no, no. You don't understand. See, he said, and they said, yeah, yeah, right. I said, no, no, you don't understand. See, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. 
They said, yeah, I've been knowing that verse a long time. I thought, mm, no, no, no. I mean, you want to get them and shake them and open the top of their head up and just stick it down in there and say, now see it. See it. But you can't do that. No man or woman can reveal truth to another man or woman. It takes the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit himself is not able to do it unless people want it. He has chosen to allow people the decision. And so if you don't love it, you don't want it, you want it another way, what else is left? That was the truth you just got. So what else is left? Just lies. Keep reading. He said, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and what? Belief of the truth. Say it out loud. I love the truth. I love the truth. I hate lies. I love the truth. Friend, if you just put down in your spirit a marker tonight... And no matter how bad you've been about lying and how light you've tried to make of it, it is not remotely okay. It's one of the most serious things you could do to undermine your whole faith life, your whole prayer life, and all the relationships around about you. You can stop it. You can change it tonight. And God will help you and your confidence can begin to come up and you can remove the barriers between you and other people and you can have more freedom, you can have more closeness, you can have more confidence with God than you've ever had before if you'll make a change. Now let me tell you how you can break yourself from telling lies. Got to be a man, got to be a woman. It's not for sissies, it's not for wimpies. There's not a one of us in here. That's never told a lie, I dare say. And we'd like to say it was only when we were two years old, but I don't want a show of hands. I don't want any testimonies. I know there's been a lot of lies. You'd be amazed how many lies are told out in the church foyer. People trying to impress each other with their spirituality. People trying to impress each other. You ever talk to people that no matter what you tell them, they always got one better. Yeah, you saw Jesus. Well, they saw Jesus and the apostles and and, uh, and the angels. <laughs> you went to London and had a good time. Well, they saw all of Europe, first class. You know what I mean by that? A lot of times, people in their exaggeration, they just lie. And oh, how many lies are told because people are embarrassed to try to save face? Just lie. Don't do it. Don't do it. Tell, you know, my, the people around me and those that will be helping us in the church and everything. Listen, please get this now. If you want to rub me the wrong way, tell me a lie. I don't care if you tore half the church down. I don't care if you wrecked my car and killed my dog. Tell me. 
look me in the eye and say, I'm sorry, Brother Keith. I killed your dog. I wrecked your car. We can deal with it. I didn't say I'd be happy, but we can deal with it. We can get past it some way or another. Huh? But don't lie to me. Do you understand what lying is? What is lying? I looked up the words. I don't have time to go into all of it. But lying is betrayal. Lying is using the trust that somebody has in you, using it to convince them of something that's not true. It is absolutely being traitorous. I know years ago I was at a place and we had a really good service and God used me in word of knowledge. I mean, knowing some things supernaturally half the night. Had a good service. And we're in the car going back to the airport. I had to get out of there real quick. And the minister, on the way over, he handed me the envelope. And he said, I'm sorry, Brother Keith, but the offering just was not good at all. Spirit of God said inside me it was very good. It's amazing. People think you can hear from God in the service, but somewhere or another you can't hear any other time. Somebody said, what would you do? Nothing. Nothing. But I would rather he have slapped me. I'd rather, I'm serious, I had rather he just hauled off and hit me if he was mad at me. Anything. I would have given him the money if he needed it. But don't lie to me. Why? Because... You just hindered our fellowship. You drove a wedge in between us because I can't talk to you about it because you don't even want to admit it. Did you hear me? And you are trying to do what the enemy of my soul tries to do every day of my life, which is to get me to believe a lie. And now you've gone over to his side and you're trying to get me to believe a lie? Using our friendship, using my trust in you to get me to ignore everything I feel and see and believe you when you're lying to me. Friend, it's one of the most traitorous, treacherous, betraying things that you could ever do. Tell you how you handle this. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have. Have you ever been talking to somebody and got carried away and just told them something? You knew it wasn't right, but you told them and afterwards you felt so bad about it. Hmm? Yeah. But that's not enough. If that happens, maybe it won't. But if it did, if you're able to, right there on the spot, just step back to them and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I lied to you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was just a lie. Now listen, don't tag it with an excuse. You can mess up a great apology with an excuse. Don't go, I'm sorry, but you know, I didn't mean to, I just, you know, no, uh, no, I lied, I'm sorry, period. Hmm? If you have to, after you get home, pick up the phone, call them. Say, you know, I'm sorry, that thing I told you, that's not right. I'm sorry. Don't make any excuses. Just admit Somebody said, well, if I do that, they may lose confidence in me. Well, if you're having to do it two or three times a day, every day, <laughs> then they, it could affect stuff. But if not, they know themselves. They had said things that wasn't right and didn't have the courage to do what you just did. And it can be respected and an honorable thing. 
And what you're saying is, I care about you, and our relationship's important to me, and please forgive me. I don't want to put anything between us, any of this falseness and deception, and I don't want to be a traitor to you trying to use our friendship to get you to believe something that is a lie. Stand up on your feet, why don't you? Said out loud from your heart, I hate lies. I hate lies. A lie of any kind. Of any kind. Big, or little. Big or little. Any kind. I hate and despise and refuse to be a part of any lie. Never, under any circumstances, is it okay to lie. I love the truth. I love the truth. Lord, help me to be honest, to be sincere. To be genuine, to be true, to be faithful. Put a watch at my mouth and my heart, and lest I say anything that is a lie, check me, warn me, help me. I'll repent, I'll make it right, and I'll be valiant and stand up. For the truth. I love you. I love your word. I love the truth. Hallelujah. Won't you close your eyes. Put your hand up. Begin to thank the Lord right now. Begin to thank him for doing good things in your life. Things can be radically different. And changed in you. And I'm going to pray over you. Right now, and I'm going to pray over, you can pray this over others. Just keep your eyes closed. You can pray this over others in your life that may have been in some problems and messes that for years. And it's because they've rejected light. They've rejected the truth. I'm going to pray this over you. If you've got somebody on your heart, you pray this over them while I pray this over you. Father God, I pray for my brother. For my sister, I'm asking you to give them, grant them repentance that they may acknowledge the truth, that they may see and admit what is true, and that they may recover themselves and get free and get clear from the lies. The snare, the traps of the devil. In Jesus' name, I ask it, I speak it, I decree it over them. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's begin to thank God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.